Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever this podcast may find you. It is I, as always, Gavin. And I, Justin. And we, well, kind of just jumped into it with talking, and we didn't stop talking until we stopped talking. We covered a lot of different things. Namely, we covered the uh, the Nurburgring Civic Type R record that's currently contested. We covered the NSX, which, guess what? We got to drive the same black NSX that we did uh, almost a year ago for our film again. Yeah, we did. That car is actually going to be on sale here soon. Uh, the owner was looking, liquidating that and another mm, fairly spicy automobile, one that you would actually probably recognize. Not you, just Justin, but the rest of you will definitely recognize if you're a car fan that's watched movies within the last 20 years. Yep. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, we start off with just gratefuls because that's kind of actually how we break the ice here at Exhibition to Speed. Uh, we just kind of started talking, so let's start talking, shall we? Yep. Sounds good to me. Unless you don't want to. No, I'm going to do gratefuls. Are you sure? Yep. You ungrateful fuck. <laughs> you don't sound very fucking grateful to me. Maybe I'm not. You. It's okay to not be grateful. You don't have to be grateful all the time. Uh-huh. We did get to do some cool shit today, though. We did. Um... Well, let's see. I'm actually, this is going to sound really counterintuitive, being that we really should have shot something today. I'm actually grateful that we got to do this today, because to be honest, it was quite almost refreshing and relaxing, considering how annoying several of the last couple actual shoots have been. Um, True. It it was kind of like a breath of fresh air in a weird way. Yeah. Just getting to do something with a car that functioned ironically after a car that didn't function uh, which is crazy because the car that didn't function was um an american product hmm hmm, hmm. interesting huh you know what ford stands for fix what? it again tony <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. anyways yeah um is that all for you so I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that, actually, a second part of today, that I was able to, like, I'm now able to have a friend and a co-owner that is now able to run things in my absence. Yes. So, like, the company made money while I wasn't doing anything, which is a first. Uh-huh. So that was, that's great. And that it went... Oh, wait, was was Carson working today while you were able to... Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Well, because that's the goal is that I'm hoping to be able to swap every other, every other, every other weekend. So one weekend a month. So like he goes with Chandler one weekend a month. I go with Chandler right. the other weekend a month. So that right. each of us only has to pull up like a a full Saturday duty every once in a while and not every week or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what he did. And that cool. I'm also grateful that I know they're on their way home. So my truck wasn't destroyed. <laughs> not yeah. that I trust both of them. Uh huh. No, I do actually quite a bit. Yeah, they're well, both grand. They're both granny drivers. Yeah. So I trust both of them. Neither of them have ever been in any accidents. So like, they have a damn good track record. There's a lot of other them. accidents that happen because of other people, though. That's the thing. Yeah. But so I'm grateful that uh, as of right now, my truck is still in one piece. Good. Because <laughs> this is the first time it's also gone out and done work without me at the helm. <laughs> so have you been nervous today about that? I was this morning when he left. After that point, yeah, I didn't really think about it. No, that's good. It was just kind of like, okay, well, <laughs> it's gone now. If something happens, it happens. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. What are you grateful for? Oh, I got so much to be grateful for right now, dude. <laughs> I, I have way too much to be grateful for. Um, 
yeah, so I don't know if we'll publish this. We, we, we very well might. Um, and if we did, well, we had a photo sh- I had a photo shoot today that was booked by someone who has let us drive a couple of his cars in the past. This overall excellent, excellent gentleman, top class, pure class. Um, we'll just use his initials, MJ. <laughs> Those are his initials. Yeah, he's that big of a baller. Yeah, man. Think of whoever you know as MJ. Who, whatever you, whoever pops in your head as MJ, that's them. Yep. And uh, yeah, so we we pulled. Well, he has an Eleanor that we were going to shoot today. That he wants. He he's going to sell that and his um, black on black with gunmetal gray wheels NSX. Uh, that NSX is the same car that we drove in our film NSX: The JDM Legend. Mm-hmm. So, um. We were go- so he, he, they're looking at selling those two cars and getting a couple of other things because like and he told me this morning like it's kind of what this is all about is like getting to experience all these other cars and you know not just get, hopping in you know one thing and being stuck in it forever yeah um and you know he wants to experience as many things as possible so uh, when those things do happen and when we especially get the green light to throw them on camera. You know, he might be like another individual that ha- we've shot his cars before, and he always wants us to f- see his newest and latest and greatest shit. Yeah, um, he might be like that person. You know, as soon as they cut, as soon as they, they get the cars, like, okay, Gavin, you got to drive this thing. This thing is fucking rad, right? Um, that that very well might may happen. But, um, anyways, the Eleanor was not turning over this morning, so he was like, well. We got to sell the NSX anyway, so let's just, you know, have you hop in that. And it just took me back to like six months ago or eight months ago. I was like, oh, yeah, this feels awful familiar. (laughs) This feels lovely. That was great. That thing's such a great highway cruiser. I mean, it's such a fucking great do-it-all. It's a do-it-all without being a wagon, and I think that's the most surprising thing. Because when we think of do-it-all cars, we think of, yes, with you, the Stinger GT. Yeah. But we as car people think of... Mercedes E63 AMG or RS6 wagon mm-hmm. or I guess maybe a fast SUV or something or like a Su- or with my experience a Subaru Outback XT. Yep. You know that was a great do it all. Uh that was more, you know, budget minded. But for a sports car to be a, like an actual proper do it all is like a, that, that's a real accomplishment especially in the early 90s. Yeah. Cuz so that thing um I think we might as well just throw this into the episode and just go from here. Yes, yeah, just jump uh, into it. Yeah. So that car out there, what surprises me the most? Oh yeah. Is it, how, by the way, it's here at the studio. Yeah, <laughs> we still have it. I haven't gone back home yet. What surprises me the most is how beautifully compliant that suspension is, being static, not hydraulic, not well, adjustable. Well, it's factory. It's factory suspension, but like being at static suspension, it's not air, it's not mag ride or anything like it was that. Before that was really a thing, and it's sublime at handling bad surfaces. Yeah. Shockingly so. And yeah, straight up. We like we took it to one section to do a photo shoot today, which we have taken a couple other cars before. We've, going, we've done a, a number of projects out of Antelope Island, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we took it down this rock section to get down this little jetty. Oh, yeah. And it was able to handle it probably better than some of the other shit we've taken on that. I, w- I wouldn't be comfortable taking... 
my own fiat. And this is maybe something the owner doesn't want to hear, but <laughs> um, I trusted you because you were a scout. It's not like you were just in another car driving in front of me. Yeah. Um, you were actually scouting me, and if I needed to crank it right or left, you were there to, to do so and yeah. say so. Um, but, like, going in blind, I'd be real nervous about taking my Fiesta down that. You know, if I was in something... Like a cross trek, you know, like a cross trek with like all all terrains, which a lot of cross treks are like this. Yeah, in Utah, yeah, I would probably bomb down that road at like forty. Oh yeah, and it'd be fine. But you know, in a thirty year old, uh, as you were talking about, um, you know, a fixed suspension or a static suspension, yeah, going down that road is like. Ooh. I don't know, but like, but you were like in front of me, and you said that you kept on seeing daylight, even with like you know the taller rocks, uh, the taller of the rocks that were on that road. You know, you kept on saying that you would see daylight all the way through. So I mean that that helps my peace of mind at least. Well, and it it probably just tells me that when they were designing that car, as we did a lot of research on that, they were smart enough to think. We want people to use this. That was one of their goals, is to be an F1 car for the road. But obviously, they were smart enough to think, well, we can't really make it that stiff. It can't quite be F1 status, because that would be stupid. And other manufacturers have tried that, and it has ruined cars that otherwise would have been good. Yeah, I mean, James May has uh, railed against manufacturers that take their cars to the Nürburgring, which there's also, there's a tie-in, but I still haven't gotten done with my Grey Bulls yet. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what happens when we... Uh, just eat our lunch and you know, yeah. jump into things. But um, I'm grateful for the day that we've had today mm-hmm. with the delightfully soft uh, sun for the wet, like as far as weather is concerned, like, you know, nice clouds covering up. Like, yes, the sun would peek through every now and again. Uh, but the by and large, it was like a, a, a lightly overcast day. But it's still kind of warm out. And, uh, you know, on Antelope Island with the black NSX, and when there was no traffic in front, that was a Forza Horizon moment, straight up. It like, looked like it, That too. was fucking... I could only imagine what it looks like from the outside, seeing a black NSX just ripping through Antelope. And we never even went to the uh, the southeast end. No, not at all. We didn't go to the fast side. No, which, that could have been nice, but that also could have gotten, you know... Problems. <laughs> problematic, yeah, with, you know, uh, the Department of Natural Resources or any kind of... Uh, Authority, yeah, <laughs> on the island, um, yeah. I mean, such a beautiful, beautiful car to drive with the shift. How just you know, uh, robust and bulky the shifter feels, you know, while still being tight. Mm-hmm. Um, this you know, supple and compliant ride with you know the dynamics of how the chassis is actually engineered, um, and how you know how willing that three liter motor is just to rev up. Oh, it's just it's so good, and the steering, the you know, you know, manual rack, so um, non-assisted steering, but it's just so communicative and so good. You can turn off traction and huck it into a corner, and you can feel when the front end, you know, the front end doesn't let go, the rear end might, and you feel exactly how that happens, you know, through the wheel and through your hands, and so uh, that's just a, it's just a magical moment to drive that car, it, either if it's in traffic or in a more dynamic environment like a back road or a canyon or something like it's just so good so i'm grateful for that Mm -hmm. i'm also really grateful for the watches that have been just thrown at me by other people (laughs) um as of this recording well okay so 
one of the reasons we went out to Antelope Island today was to take pictures of this uh, NSX to go and get sold. Yep. I just so happened to be wearing a watch that I uh, am doing a review of and just got the review, like the words done last night. And so, um, well, what needs to go with an article? Pictures. Pictures. And yes, I could have a DSLR on a tripod and set up every time, but like, what's the fun in that? And also, I have this sick car with me, yeah. and I have one of my best friends with me. So, like, let's just, you know, toss him the camera and uh, criticize him only a couple of times. And uh... <laughs> Hey, I'm getting better. We're down to a couple of times. No, I mean, you actually came up with some really creative angles today with the, both the NSX and the watch. So... Well, and they've always been there. I think the main difference is I've tailored like the ideas I've had to a more realistic function, where sure. I, I've always had the ideas, just sometimes not known how to like present them or execute them. Well, and what I don't want to have is <laughs> I'm not calling myself Kurt Cobain. <laughs> However, <laughs> I will relate this to the Foo Fighters because there are songs that Dave wrote. Mm-hmm. while in Nirvana, and he always felt too scared to bring them up to Kurt because, you know, what's the what's the drummer's famous last words? Right. Hey, guys, look at this song I just wrote. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I don't want to have that Yeah. with us. Like, you know, if there is, like, an, an idea for a shot or an angle or something that you have, like, yeah, I, I do want you to bring it up. Yeah. Because, like, I don't think we ever have shot in the parking lot that, we were at at Antelope Island today, and it actually revealed a really cool angle where you parked a car, and actually, if we were doing like a Comparo or a head-to-head of some kind at Antelope, that'd be fucking cool. And have like the, one of the cars parked in that uh, in the parking lot, and have the other one driving around that corner. Yeah, that would have been cool. That that's a cool idea for the future. However, it's Antelope. <laughs> uh, it's Antelope Island, and there's too many people, and the road surface kind of sucks, so we just won't ever go back there for you know, uh, a review type of video where we have to be out there all day and battling traffic and, oh, we can't drive too fast through here because of, you know, authorities. Yep. So, yeah, I'll, I'd like to go out there with, like, you know, maybe m- me, you, Bryce, and Maddie, if we wanted to go on a hike yeah. or something or rent e-bikes or there, there are people on kayaks out there earlier. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd want to do that because, you know, what if you tip over? And, uh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be disgusting. Yeah. But going for a hike would be a lot of fun. That'd so, be beautiful. Um, that'd be fun to spend the day out there and do that. Um, but back to things that I'm grateful for. Well, the watch in question um, is it, it belongs to our buddy. Should I name drop? If I you can feel say, like it. I can say uh, who he is to the channel. Yeah. Um, he is the gentleman that lent us <laughs> this black gated manual R8 yeah. back in 2020 with the 4.2 in it. And um, it's funny. I I really know him through that project. Like I met him like uh, maybe a couple of times before actually having him on or his car on camera. Yeah. Uh, just by you know local Audi people and you know uh, <laughs> early COVID uh, car drives, which is now that I say that out loud and in hindsight is kind of a shitty thing to do, but <laughs> <laughs> you know whatever. Um, None of us got COVID, so that's cool. Yeah. But I met him then, and um, he started getting into watches, like, I don't know, probably at least 18 months to a couple of years after getting, uh, like, you know, meeting me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I'm, like, a direct influence on him or not, but, like, pretty early on in his watch collecting, you know, uh, trail, 
or his career or what, however you want to call it, um, like he would like ask me shit and you know hit me up and like you know send me a picture or something. You're like, oh, that's cool. So I feel somewhat responsible for his for his addiction. And so in return, he is, has lent me his Rolex Explorer One, reference one one four two seven zero. That's not even the least romantic of watch reference numbers. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> watch reference numbers, uh, for those that don't know, are kind of like, uh, they're basically like a combination of a generation of car and like a color code. So like a reference number will contain like what generation it is, but also like it'll also specify like what color the dial is or what material the watch is made of, if it's, you know, steel or gold or platinum or whatever it's effectively like the watch's vin number kind of kind of kind of but it's not to one watch it's to what you know it's like a series of watches it's like the 997 gt3s it's like yeah. it's like saying a, 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 a something is a paint to sample british racing green 997 gt3 rs 4.0 yeah so anyways um yeah it's 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 a lovely little little device that I've gotten to wear for about a week. Um, for because we are a, a, an audio only medium, uh, and uh, if you don't Google what I actually just said, then you won't really know what I'm talking about. But it's really just a simple three hander movement. There's no date. It's just a black dial with some stick indexes and a three six nine on the dial. That just tells you. It just tells you the time. That's all it does. It's nothing else really that fancy about it. And it has been my little companion and. Well, by the time this comes out, the article will be live. So go head on over to www.exhibitionofspeed.com and see what I'm kind of rambling about with this watch. But, yeah, uh, driving the NSX and wearing this and taking the photos that we did today. So that was just oh. a riot. That was a hoot. We, we took some photos. That... I'm so stoked on them. We took some photos, mainly a couple that I saw some funny little angles on that are like kind of 90s fuckboy status. I love it. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Now I, w- now I wish this was a gold watch so I could just be like ultimate, like I had to do it to him vibes. We, we would need a chain too. Um, I have a chain. Did I show you oh, my yeah, chain? You, yes, you did. Yeah, my. I, so I don't think I mentioned this on the podcast before. No. I was going through an antique shop with our friend Randall and his wife Darian and uh, my girlfriend Maddie and we... <laughs> I, I was just having a laugh. I was like, hey, what do you think? And there was this record or this uh, this necklace, this chain, and it had the Death Row Records <laughs> like uh, medallion on it. Yep. And I didn't buy it in person. And I go to work the next day with photos. And I was telling some of my coworkers about it. I'm like, bro, we should have bought that. It's like, it's only 20 bucks. Like, come on. I'm like, okay. And so I went back at the end of the day and I bought it. <laughs> it's this gold death row records. It's like, you know, emblazoned with, you know, I don't I don't think they're real diamonds. They can't possibly be for twenty dollars, but no. But it's a it's a good laugh. And so um the next gold watch that I get to review, I'm gonna fucking wear that in the photos a thousand percent. That'll be hilarious. Yeah. And not 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 a calculator watch. Like I want to get something like a Rolex, like a Yacht Master, or a uh, maybe a Daytona, or maybe some gold like AP or Patek, like like a gold AP Royal Oak. Um, you should Google what a gold Royal Oak looks like and how much that costs, because your jaw's gonna have to be picked up from the floor. It actually had to be like 
um, spatula off of the floor. Okay, I see that. Let's see if I can find Royal Oak Collection. It's thinking about it. If I, really? yeah, there we go. Um, a, gold, a gold Royal Oak, I would imagine, depending on complication, uh, is probably about a hundred and twenty thousand dollar watch. Yeah, I'm not finding any. Oh, there we go. Yep, uh, I found a few like hundred twenty seven. Thousand? Hundred yeah. Hundred and eighty seven thousand, hundred and sixty thousand, hundred and two thousand, like depending on seemingly spec and who's selling it. Right. Yeah. I mean yeah. Because they also have things like the offshore. Um that's not an offshore though. The offshore is basically one of the variants of a chronograph that is of the Royal Oak family. Gotcha. Um they're not exactly pretty watches. I'm not super into AP. Yeah. Some dudes are. And you know what? If you have the coin, because, you know, you can have some pretty ugly, to me, looking watches that cost a quarter million dollars yeah. easily because it's, you know, platinum and it's an offshore and it's a, you know, chronograph or whatever. I don't know. But. Yeah. At that point, it's definitely a bit more of a puff piece. It's um, totally. The reason you own it is because of the combination of the rarity and the price. Yeah, no, I mean, APs now are for flexing. Yep. They weren't, necessarily. That actually was a sports watch back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy, Gerald Genta, was, uh, he was a designer for multiple watches. Uh, the AP Royal Oak and the Patek Philippe Nautilus, which is, if you also Googled that, you could see a, a resemblance, for sure, in between the two. Yeah. Um. But this isn't necessarily a watch channel. This is a car channel. And so let me bring it back to cars. And I'll bring it back to Gratefuls. Yeah, so I have this Rolex. Yep. That uh, by the time you hear this is going to be back home. So don't don't come at me. Don't right. don't don't try to follow me home to try to, to quote unquote, see this Rolex. There's better things to steal. <laughs> um, and I have some other big bigger things happening uh, with my watch reviews. It's crazy. Like. My buddy Jason, he hit me up. He was like, before I did any watch content, like watch reviews or anything, he's like, hey man, you should like come check out like my Speedmaster. I'm like, yo, bet. And so we finally made it happen, like, I don't know, three or six months later. And I got to take it for like three fucking weeks. Um, it was supposed to be a week. And then we were like, oh, well, the next Formula One race is like the week after. Let's do that. And then like that didn't happen, I think for maybe shooting reasons, I think for me and you. Something like that. I think so. Yeah. And then we pushed it, like, another... It was basically a month that I had this <laughs> uh, this Omega Speedmaster. And so when I dropped that review, people that follow me and that I follow and that I'm friends with that have watches, they're like, hmm, hey, Gavin, how would you like to review this? And I'm like, ooh, that would be quite lovely, thank you. I would love to. Uh, I would love the pleasure. So that's something that's been going on in my life. I've been able to wear other people's shit and... It, it it was wild because I was given the chance to drive Randall's Veloster N and wear a someone else's Rolex to work meetings, and I could I couldn't do both. Like for today, because we were doing photos of the watch and we wanted to do it with the car, then I did that. But like rolling up to a meeting, driving someone else's car and wearing someone else's watch makes <laughs> me feel like the biggest fucking prick ever. Good. So I didn't do that. I actually left the Rolex at home, and I just wore the <laughs> I just wore my 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 new watch that I'm not going to talk about yet because I want the article to be kind of the the release of that. 
So uh, speaking of Veloster, I actually have a couple comments I can give on that because you do. We, we drove it last week, and no, yeah. we didn't do a podcast right afterwards because we did it the uh, uh, earlier in the week. Yeah. So, um, I very quickly saw, even though I I probably put about let's say twenty or so miles on the car because I was just driving it for like flybys and stuff. Yeah. I very quickly saw why on earth that car won Car and Driver Car of the Year, like. Or, it was road and track. Or road and track, sorry. Yeah, like, car, car and Driver gave the C8, I believe, the car of the year in yeah. 2019. But either way, I very quickly saw why that was. Because that car does unholy things for a front-wheel drive car. For a front-wheel drive, um, you know, odd amount of door hatchback. <laughs> it really shouldn't be anywhere near as good as it is. Yeah. Um, part of that is the diff, and that's why one of the reasons. Be, be, between that and the Kia Stinger, yep. that's why I'm like, Hyundai and Kia have done like witchcraft with their diffs, and I don't know how they do it, because the way that that car can carry speed and like pull, like and like put power down and pull you through the corner is nuts. It's well, yeah, it's wild. When I entered my first corner at like a good pace, we'll say like around six, seven tenths, somewhere around there. Yeah, I turned in as much as I would normally anticipate turning in to start feeling out a car and start feeling where things are happening, where the rear ends letting go, the front ends letting go, etc. I'm like, oh. That's good. Turn a little more. Oh, oh. A little more. Oh. It just doesn't let go. No, and even when it does, and Randall was the one that told me about this after my first set of corners, he's like, oh, no, try to make it let go. That's when it gets real fun. Because yeah. then you can just continue going and be just fine. You're like you'll, you'll feel some some rear-end rotation happening. Right. But if you just pound it a little further with the gas... It just keeps... Pulling. It, it just pulls. Yeah. Uh, he, like, so that car is, you know, the uh, the infotainment screen is almost infinitely customizable. Yeah. And we actually didn't really show that uh, in the video, which might ne- uh, necessitate another shoot day. Yeah. Um, or maybe I just go over to Randall's and, like, we just dick around with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's so customizable with the settings of damper rate and spring rate and how aggressive you want your um the blip on your auto rev match you know to downshift yeah um steering feel you know how aggressive you want that to be weighted um there's so many there's little nuances to dial in it's not just like in a volkswagen product no where you just hit sport mode or whatever um i kept it in the n custom mode Mm mm-hmm which was aggressive on the downshifts and not all. It was like a sport, not not a sport plus on the handling, and I, that's probably where you, I think you had it as well. Yes, I think you just put it in the the end custom. Yeah, I did because yeah. that also had uh, auto rev match on, and uh, the pops and bangs, which are which are hilarious. Yes, they're hilarious, and I. Uh, as a side note, I do have to say that car did the auto rev match a lot better than the BMW because whenever which BMW the M2 the M2, M2 and this is forever ago the obviously M2 was perfect. Well, here's what I'm saying: the reason why I think this oh. was better. Sorry, I know where you're going with this. Never mind. Yeah, so there's two reasons actually why it was better. The one that you know where I'm going with it is because it can actually be turned off. Uh, number two, the reason why is whenever I would like not remember or whatever that the auto rev match was on, I would go to rev myself to match on the BMW would over rev a little bit because it would kind of like the computer would have already revved up a little bit and then I would pound it. You were you were late to the party. Yeah. It was already active. And it would over rev. Yeah. The end did not do that. During when I was first getting used mm-hmm. to the fact that rev match was a thing, mm-hmm. 
it seemed like what it did, it probably didn't completely relinquish my control of the throttle, but me pushing the throttle didn't make the computer think it had to apply more throttle. Right, yeah, so, that makes sense. So even when I was coming in trying to do my own rev matching, it didn't throw off the car doing its own auto rev matching. Right. Which, that's the way to fucking do it. That is the way to do it. And also, there is a permanent button for rev that's on the wheel. Yep. It's not even like it's in front of the shifter like it is with the Nissan 370Z, which is where, to my recollection, uh, auto rev matching really started. Yeah. I think maybe the Subaru Legacy, uh, similar, or I think it was the same generation as, like, my XT. Yeah. But by the, I think the Spec B had it, I think. Um, I could be wrong, but the first time I really saw it was on the uh, 370Z, and they they did it right with that. There was just like I think they called it S mode, and it had like a little you know a gated shifter pattern on it, and you would hit that, and it was either on or off. Interesting. Okay. And yeah, and so and that's on the Nissan. Um, on the Veloster N, there's just a button on uh on the three o'clock spoke yep. of the wheel that just says rev, and you can have it on or off. You can uh, be in just your regular comfort cruiser mode and hit it, and it goes on. And you have rev match in comfort mode. Which is exactly how I did my commuting. Yeah, That totally. was like the most luxurious commuting uh, mode of that car, and it just made me... <laughs> it, it was actually during that that made me go like, hmm, what if I did sell my Fiesta? See, and that's... <sighs> Here's where I think Hyundai and Kia have been knocking it out of the park the most. It's little shit like that. Like... The thing that sold me so much on my Stinger wasn't just how much it could do or all these other things. It's the fact that they implemented a touchscreen without eliminating all my physical buttons. They implemented a good sound system without making it overpriced. They implemented Brembo's without making them super bitey. Like, they they seemed to just go, and they did the same thing with the Veloster N, and look at, like, what do people actually want and what's the right way to do it. Right. And just do it. Yeah. And they've just fucking for the past five years specifically knocked that out of the park it's it's the lack of actual compromise and going like what's the right thing to do because for instance going back to the m2 there is no reason the rev match can't be or shouldn't be able to be turned on or off without having to disable every single nanny in the car or i mean either that or just digging through menus which guess what you have to do for both or yeah both of those things you have to do to get it off Exactly. Like, there, there isn't a reason to make things so convoluted and complicated. Right. At all. Just give me a button. Just give me a button. I don't care about having extra buttons. In fact, right. like, I would rather. <laughs> Touchscreens have their uses, but they're kind of shit for a lot of things as well. Yeah. I mean, we learned this, uh, I mean, not with touchscreens, but with just excessive menus. We've learned this 20 years. It's now been 20 years since BMW's first iDrive came out in the 7 Series. Yeah, we should have learned the lesson then. Yeah, we and, did, clearly didn't. And iDrive, that iDrive in particular, has made its way into textbooks about how not to design <laughs> a user interface system. Literally. Like, yeah. I, I had a roommate that was uh, studying this shit like five, seven years ago. Yeah. Um, and that's where they've been knocking it out. So like with the Veloster N, it's like, okay, how do we make a hot hatchback that does fucking everything without screwing it up? Is the yeah. three doors weird? Yes, but it's functional. Like kind it, of. It kind of functional. It's kind of weird, but whatever. That was the design. I think they it's chose. actually more honest because, like, how often are you really pulling people in your back seat? Spe- I've had I've had my Fiesta for almost three years now, and I've been in the back seat twice, three times. It's not often. Yeah, and so it makes the drivers ingress and egress with a big door easier. The other people doesn't really matter as much. Yeah. Same with like the 
you know, the the way that they design their infotainment, everything just works and is simple. You go to a home menu, it's not some type of like flashy background. It literally just has these are your functions. Right. That's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like on every single thing that you look at, it's like bolstered seats. Okay, cool. We make those. Well, they they didn't at first, and that's the one that I'd want to go for. Yeah, like true. like. So the the car that we had on camera, it had an intake on it, stock exhaust, and it had a stage two tune on it. With well, it was kind of called a stage two. It's also called a map two. Yep. It's a JB4 tune, so it's just a piggyback. It's another 40 horsepower that doesn't affect anything Yep. else, really. It just is more power. Um, he So Randall was saying that because he had, and a lot of how he bases how fast a, a car is, is, you know, a lot of either, like, from a, from a light or from a roll. Yeah. You know, say, like, on a road, like, 7th East or something. Um, I feel like that doesn't necessarily paint the whole picture, but... You know, if you do take have that experience, you know, let me know. Mm-hmm. Um, he was saying that his car and the new Elantra N with the dual clutch are the same. So his car with the tune and a factory Elantra N with dual clutch are the same. Yeah, they're they're dead even. So what I'd like to do is get a Veloster N with the dual clutch and the bucket seats. Yeah, sure, it adds a little bit of weight, but like that's also what I've what I the route I went down with my Fiesta of like sunroof and nicer infotainment even though it's not a huge screen like we have in a lot of cars now yeah and the crazy hugging uh recaros because like i don't really care if i get the extra 10th out on the track because i've been to the track once in three years that's not something you know i don't play top trumps i actually don't really care i would rather enjoy my commute or enjoy a road trip or enjoy the seats hugging me in the canyons Rather than that. Rather than maybe a little bit less weight. Yeah. I'd rather the car lose weight in other ways. <laughs> no, completely agree. By, like, removing unnecessary bullshit. So, yeah, I, I mean, I would think of the right move for me, because, like, I've never dailyed a dual-clutch car before. Yeah. So And that would be nice. I have daily automatics. I have daily ma- manuals now for five years. Yeah. Ever, which which ever, is interesting. Ever since the Forester. Ever since the Forester. R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. Bambi. Right. <laughs> But um, yeah, I I think a, a dual clutches for the next daily would be fun, and having a Veloster N that you know it doesn't get quite the fuel economy that my car gets, but I get way more storage room and is a nicer, suppler ride for just the daily stuff. And at the touch of a button, I can go into my boy racer, let your hair on fire kind of mode. Yeah, and do some stupid shit. Yeah, real stupid shit. Yeah, that it shouldn't be able to do nefarious shit. Yeah. No, I was I was pretty happily surprised by that. Uh, I, because that was my first time driving one, even though they've been out for several years now and are already dead. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we've never really been known to be, uh, you know, at the cut at the cutting or bleeding edge of things. And yeah, I'm not that type of person that would own a car like that. But that would be if I was going to go buy a smaller hatchback, that would be very much squared, probably the top. Uh, yeah, because I mean, and in my experience, uh, you know, if you gotta go Volkswagen, if you really do, then the 7.5R is really the peak of, of Volkswagen hot hatches. Yep. Um, if you're going forward, I actually heard there's some other podcast recently I was listening to, I forgot who, but they were saying that, like, oh, yeah, Fiesta ST over Focus RS. Yeah, it's just a funner car, it's just a, it's just a nicer, like a well, not nicer, but like it's just a more fun and uh, entertaining thing to drive every day. And I think, having driven both, yeah. I, I think 
I think the Focus RS at times was almost a little overpowered. It didn't spin wheels because it's all drive, you know. So like yeah. it, it didn't. It's not overpowered in that way, but it's overpowered in the sense that I think it is more underbraked. If that makes sense, I think it was. It didn't seem like you could utilize all the power or all the brakes or all the steering. It didn't feel as eager to do things as your car does. Your car, yeah. everything seems more put together and balanced to work in tandem with each other, all of those components. I feel like, well, I think that they're both pretty well balanced. Um, I think that the form factor and the chassis design of the Fiesta lends itself to just more entertainment, Yeah. whereas the Focus RS is definitely more like, for lack of a better word, phrase, focused. Huh. It's more serious. And the Fiesta is more of a party. Huh, it's almost like Ford thought this through many, many decades ago. Mm, it's almost like they, th- uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Velocirand yeah. is pretty fucking high up there for cars that we get here. Haven't driven GR Corolla yet. Hopefully we, we will. We don't get the GR Yaris. Hopefully that'll change for me and you here in the next couple of months, I'm just saying. Hopefully. We, we have a lead, but we have no promises. Yeah, I mean, you can't really promise a car being on camera until it's right in front of you as we experienced today because I thought I was shooting an Eleanor ironically on Earth Day but you know whatever <laughs> ironically ended up shooting an NSX again <laughs> yeah which which oh god I'm so I'm so here for I'm so here for as well so I had a couple funny things I wanted to show you because that this popped up on Facebook Marketplace mm. on well not Marketplace but Cars and Bids and I saw it via Facebook this. I saw that. I sent that dude, to Jaden. Dude. I sent that to Jaden. I have thought about this for so long. I think everyone has. So for those that are listening, uh, there's a, a listing on Cars and Bids right now of a white, Mo- so it's a Mazda 6, yep. but wagon, and also uh, some absolute unit uh, did a Mazda Speed conversion of it. So it has the Mazda Speed 6 front end. Has the Mazda Speed Six uh, motor and trans and all-wheel drive? I imagine not the trans though. Okay, the trans. It, well, it, I, I saw that that it was a manual. It is. So it's not the Mazda Speed Six trans though. It's actually out of a CX Seven. So there, oh, it was actually put together. Seven. Yes. Not a five. Not a five. They made a CX Seven with the manual. They made a CX Seven with the exact same drivetrain from a Mazda Speed Six. Oh, so so I mean, so it, the it's, donor it's, car wasn't a Speed Six, so, but. Well, the engine was from a Speed 6. This transmission was from a CX-7 because it was overbuilt right? Um, for the SUV. So it's the same trans with basically beefier gears. Okay. And then it does have the all-wheel drive system. But what a lot of people don't realize, that's all fine and dandy. The hardest part of this it was actually they had to do a, um, a floor pan uh, because the original Mazda 6 doesn't have a drive shaft tunnel. Yeah. So it was. It's actually a very laborious and intensive swap to do that. The last bid that I saw was like eighty six hundred dollars or something. Yeah, it, it's not that high actually. Let me pull up the actual. With like two days remaining. Yeah, the actual cars and bids listing. Like, so like it is looking at it. It is a little rough around the edges. Jaden, Jaden, buy this now. Right? This would be sweet right now. Um. It basically is, we'll say, a runner and a driver, but it's not a finished project in that, like, most of the body is not very straight. It needs some repaint. The hood doesn't fit quite well. Like, there's a lot of little work Well, guess where, Br- where, where Jaden works. I know. A body shop. Yeah. So... This would be the part... Imagine if he painted that car the same red as his Mazda 6 Turbo. That would be beautiful. Oh, my God. So, like, 
overall, though, the thing is, everything's there and done. There's just a lot of fine-tuning needed, really. Sure. And that's a great place to be because you're buying something that's had, we'll say, 70% of the bugs worked out to the point where it works. It's a speed six wagon. Yeah. Come on. It's so fucking cool. And it's cool. got the sunroof and it says zoom, zoom on it. Right? Yeah. Um, I don't like the debadging. I'd like to have the badging. Um, per- oh, I see. I would say if you were going to debadge it, Take that, take all the badging off. Yeah. Take it, that black Mazda badge off the back. Keep the one up front, maybe. Yeah. I do like the stock wheels that those came on, too. Yeah, those are good. I think they're they're good, like, uh, we'll call that a 15-spoke. It's basically, I don't know. It's, it's basically two, uh, a five-spoke married with a 10-spoke on the same wheel. Right, yeah. And it's whatever the OEM Mazda Speed wheels were. Um, Yeah, man, like... Super cool. Like I'm, I'm very glad to see. Although I've known that some of these existed, that somebody actually did it. It's for sale right now. Go get it. And yeah, somebody should definitely go buy it. But I like the detail. Like they did actually get everything, including like the HIDs, because the most of the regular sixes didn't have the HIDs. I mean, that's a full Mazda Speed Six front end conversion. It's everything. Yeah, and that's what I appreciate about it. Is it they did go with everything, including seats and everything, down to that switch right there, which is what controls the headlight leveling. Mm. Uh, they really did do everything, and so. I'm hoping somebody gets this because it's a damn good deal. Like, if it goes for anywhere under, let's say, 12, whatever this person has into it is... <laughs> Jaden needs to grab it. Oh, my God. Jaden. Jaden. This poor... Buy this car. This... Sell, sell your sell your six because this is the thing you actually want. Yes. This The poor lad that built this. Like, if you think about how many hours they have into this... Oh, yeah. They're losing money hand over fist no matter what they do when you think about just uh, time. What's it at right now? Let's see. And click the X. It is at... Oh, 11.3. Okay, so it's still going up. Yeah, I last saw that, uh, I think, this morning. So it's gotten some traffic for sure. Which is great. Like, um, And with two days left, like it could, it could come close to 20. Also, could. that's a very nice price on that 1990 Rover Mini. Oh, hell yeah. 69. 69. <laughs> 69, 69. That's hilarious. So, yeah, if anybody wants to go bid on that, don't do it because Jaden needs it. Justin, place a bid for Jaden. Right. <laughs> Boop. Oh, no. I need. <laughs> Gotta no. sign up. No, I'm not going to sign up. This you'll probably <laughs> This you'll probably never see again. A true one of one. And this is actually true this time. Like, that's not just marketing or Doug no, speak. That... I think, well, the post that I saw originally said one of none because, yeah. you know. They didn't make this from factory. Which I believe, actually, yeah, it would just be this post right here. This, the, yeah, the, the yeah. wagon they never built. Yeah, yeah the wagon one, they should have built. One of none, yep. They really should have. I, I think, so the Speed 6 was always the one that enticed me most because I feel like it was misunderstood. That era of yeah. Mazda 6 uh, was in a very weird spot because it, Part of the reason it didn't perform well was because it was much smaller than its other mid-sized rivals. Yeah. It was more on par with what would be a compact today. It's it, so weird because it still felt like a big car. I, I drove um I don't I don't I haven't heard from him in, in a long time, but our buddy Christian, mm-hmm. um, he had one that was after his S two thousand. Yeah. And it felt about a similar size to like um a period correct legacy, like a Subaru legacy in this were like, because, I mean, this and the legacy uh, GT or the GT spec B mm-hmm. at the time would have been more of rivals against each other because turbo four-cylinder all-wheel drive manual sedan. 
here's the thing where you see the difference if you can try to get in the rear seat it has just as little room as your fiesta it is small like there's barely I've any been in the back seat i think there was more yeah and and i haven't been in one in a long time this i is, haven't either yeah but. this is the recollection that i had as well as what i was reading up on with how, why some people just really didn't like it it was also Mazda's first foray into an all-wheel drive type of performance thing. First and only, really. Um, yeah. Uh, when it comes to their Mazda you, speed line. Because their speed threes were all front-wheel drive, and they had a Mazda speed Miata, but mm-hmm. like that was already a Miata. Yeah, so they they really went out of their way to try something new with the Speed 6 and really do something different, and I think it just it didn't quite take hold at the right time. And it... It, nobody really. It didn't really seem clear what it was supposed to be because right. it was. It did feel larger. It wasn't quite as power to weight ratio happy as like a Speed Three because it had all this all-wheel drive stuff. Right. Yeah. You know what I would love to do with that car though is do like, I know people are gonna hate me for this, but like, do a, a rear seat delete. Yeah. Do like um. So in the overlanding world, I've been uh. uh I've had my eyes opened to a company called Goose Gear uh-huh. that they basically make um, plywood, but like, you know, uh, coated, uh, like a rhino liner coated on plywood uh, seat delete kits. And you can basically have your rear be completely flat and have like little doors and like cubbies and pockets and stuff for storage of shit. I don't drive people around. Yeah, I don't have that need in my life, and I would much rather have... I mean, the rear seats would be folded down most times anyway. So, like, how awesome would that be to have, like, not a cargo van, but, like, area for shit to go in, like, film gear or car parts or, like, whatever, and, like, transport stuff Yeah, in the form factor of a wagon, but then have, you know, the performance of a Mazda Speed 6. I think that would be awesome. And paint it red, crystal sole red, with and powder coat those wheels gold, Yeah, and debadge it, Straighten up some of the body. Bob's your uncle. There you go. Boom. Done. Yeah. Nope. Completely agreed. Completely agreed. I would absolutely love to see it. Um, there was some other news this week. There was news. Do tell. Uh, the Honda Civic Type R. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, so now I'm remembering. The Civic Type R. It's not just the Civic Type R. It's the Civic. It's the FL5 Civic Type R S something it's an s oh fuck they, they gave it some stupid fucking name yeah like an it's not s code or it's like s something anyway it set the new nurburgring lap time record for a front wheel drive car if we're talking about um nurburgring lap records for a subcompact series it's actually still the audi rs3 believe it or not oh wow okay. yeah um but the civic type r uh you're you're googling i don't know what you're googling I am gig- I'm giggling. You're 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 giggling. <laughs> I'm giggling this right now. Um, yeah, here we go. Lightweight European only spec of the Civic Type R. Uh, so go to the top. Type R S. Type. Uh, it's not just that. It's a it's a, a S something. Uh, keep going down. Oh, what the fuck, Nate? It's something so stupid. It's not Type R S. There's something else. Anyways, there is actually some controversy about this. Um, a YouTuber that I follow that I haven't really talked that much about, this guy Misha, he, uh, not in the band Periphery, yeah, but uh, this guy Misha who does a lot of hot lapping of other people's cars on the Nurburgring during Tourist and Farton, 
Okay. He called out, and he's called out other companies on things before, uh, such as when Shelby Supercars, SSC, mm-hmm. with their latest thing that was like a couple of years ago, um, they claimed like a 320 mile an hour top speed. Yeah. Misha was one of the guys that called them out and was like, that doesn't look right. Yeah. Misha is also doing the same thing with the new Civic Type R. We'll just call it Type RS, even though that's not the full name. Um, yeah, so he was analyzing the data, and because they had this video that's included in this Car and Driver article, yeah, and it shows uh, when it's making more boost and you know going showing it running through gears, and he actually thinks that there's a cheater car that they use that's not exactly what they said is coming to market. So the difference between the FL5 that we have in the U.S. and what the the Euros are going to get with this Type RS is basically lighter weight in some pretty unsubstantial areas, yeah, such as like removal of wiper and like you know other dumb stuff like that. Um, like like a I saw a lack of infotainment, which I'm not quite sure exactly how that's going to work. Um, and just some light weighting. Misha thinks that that car is a shortened either fifth or sixth gear. Mm-hmm. Um, can we pause for a second? Yep. Give me just a second. We'll be right Okay, we're back. Sorry uh, about that. When, when the girlfriend calls, got to pick up. Yep. Um, anyways. So uh, I was just reading this while basically you Basically, shenanigans, I believe. I believe Misha because he looked at the footage and he was talking about the difference between um, – the OE supplied, uh, you know, taller gear ratios like sixth. Yep. Um, the other people that he's seen on track with their own FL fives have gotten into sixth gear once, and they got into sixth gear three times. Gotcha. And so they've been able to like hold higher speeds for longer. He's thinking that they also have more boost. Um, he's calling shenanigans. It'll be interesting to see, because this is not the first time, nor will it be the last, where no. people have pulled... Uh, I mean, that's what half of fucking racing is, is how can I get away with kind of breaking the rules but not? Well, yeah, and the, the, you have to have a level of honesty uh, when you're, you know, an OEM, and you're trying to sell cars, and when you claim that something is faster than the other, than your competition, you know, you have to have rules. Yep. Um, I mean, fuck, Ferrari for years has been accused and, you know rightfully so of um of having cheater uh press cars of having hopped up like you know furry like 360s and 430s and stuff and having you know borderline race engines in press cars that are not at all reflective of what the cars are that you actually buy are well i'm curious here um what was I'm just thinking of some random things to compare that to. So just hoping that that time is legit. Well, go to the time or show what it says. I believe it was faster than like, yeah, so on the 12.94 mile configuration of the Nürburgring, which is the Norchlife, I believe that's Norchlife without the GP track and full straight. That's the full everything. Mm -hmm. Um, They pulled off a 744.8. So... To my recollection, is that faster than a 997 Turbo? That's some of the things I was going to look up, is some other kind of cr- fairly fast cars. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're at the point now where, like, compact performance cars are as fast as supercars were 15 years ago. Yeah. It's kind of done what we, well, I mean, in a way, it's kind of done what we pointed out in the uh, 996 to 991, or 992 video, where what mm. was the fastest back 20 years ago is now... 
more or less the base. So I'm on Wikipedia, which is a source you can always trust. <laughs> Knocking on wood. Um, so a 744 flat is um, V10R8. That is Pagani Zonda S. That is Bugatti EB110. Uh, if we were to go to 744.8, try to find the closest thing to that. A 744.4 is an SLS Mercedes. Gotcha. Uh, the next slowest thing is a E63 from uh, 2017. Um, a 996 GT2 is slower. Uh, a Gallardo LP570-4 Legera is slower. Um, a 599 is slower. Um, the Mercy LP640 is slower. Like, uh, this is not as surprising, but it has a lot more power. A TTRS is slower. Yeah, uh, of which gen? Of uh, what year? Is that a, a first-gen RS? I don't think so. Like a 13? Uh, it says 8S as the... As the, the chassis? Yeah. Uh, I think that's the 2010 era. I think so, so it's the second the, gen. That, that's, that's the manual one. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also showing a, a 748 around the Nürburgring. Uh, for a 997 GT3 RS. Yep. So that's a that's a car to go after. Uh, that's the point one. So okay. Um, yeah, I'm looking at the thing now. You're looking at 748.4 for that TTRS. Yep. Uh, C6 Z06 is a 749. These are, I mean, uh, people herald the M3 CSL from the E46 era. That's a 750. Yeah. So if this is accurate and this is indicative of what the car can actually do, that's six seconds faster than an M3 CSL. Jesus. It's pretty wild. And I was looking at stuff that's just barely faster than it. Uh, yeah. Like uh, like you mentioned, the Zonda S is technically, because it doesn't give a decimal point, barely faster. Um, you have like the modern um, GTR. Um, yeah, the R R35. R35. You have... A G Cayman GT4, Tycon Turbo. Uh, the GT4 is a first-gen GT4. Yep, right here it's a 981. Yeah. A Tycon Turbo. Like, the fact that a Tycon Turbo, with how damn fast it is on the straights, is only a second and a half faster, demonstrates... Well, well and here's another thing. A C6 ZR1 is a 741.5. Yep. That's a 640-horsepower car. And one that's... It, it's Yes, it's a American Corvette, but they're actually good. Oh, C6 yeah. Z or sorry, Z well, both the Z06 and the Z01 were fucking, fucking fast. Yeah, they That's are. when Magride started to really first come out. And I want to say the ZR1 did did the ZR1 have Magride? The yes. CTSV from that era did. Yeah. I want to say the ZR1 also did. I'm pretty sure it did. Um like those are fucking fast well-known track cars. Same with the Camaro ZL1. The 911 Turbo S from 997.2 is a 741.23. So that is, you know, a couple of seconds faster around a 15-mile track. It's not much. See, and even something like a Lexus LFA isn't that much faster. It's only about five seconds. Yeah. That's... Yeah, those are also bigger cars. Those they are. are. They're heavier and not as torquey. But, it's, but it, they're fast. It's pretty wild to look at this and look at, like, it's sitting within seconds of some very high-end competition. I mean, the Veyron did a 740. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. It's four seconds slower than the first mega car. Well, and I'm trying to look through here and trying to pick out more normie cars. So, for instance, there's one normie car that's within that same range, which is the Renault Megane. 
RS. Yeah, and that's more of a direct competitor. Uh, the Trophy R did a 740.1 mm-hmm. in 2019. But other than those two, I don't see anything on this immediate list. Oh, no, the uh, Volkswagen Golf GTI Club Sport. That's down at 749, so about five seconds slower. Yeah. But, like, there is... And also- that's who they were gunning for, too, is Volkswagen. That's the big thing. There's nothing else on kind of the immediate 740 to 750 range that is nearly as cheap as it is. So let's yeah. let's say if they removed that gearing, let's say that it went from 744 if they did it again to retest and they were found to be faulty, and then it went down to a 746 or 47. They would still be the cheapest car within miles, regardless of whether they kept the front wheel drive title. That made that uh, made that leap. Yeah, I mean, if we're looking at 746s, that would still be quicker than a 996 GT3 RS or a Ferrari 599 <laughs> or a, a LP640 Mercy. <laughs> Wild. Yeah. Like, they, they, again, even if they cheated, whether or not they did, they made it into, like, the throngs of some very high-end Well, what was the last Civic Type R? Let's see if I can find it. Um... Civic. That was the FK2, right? Yes. Well, so there, there's also... There's a different lap time of 739 uh, on this list. So, let me pull this up. That was done, yeah, April 20th, 2023. So, there's that one. The next slowest one is... So, I have the... the yeah, FK2 is an 815. 8.15. Like that's a jump, yeah. And yeah, it's a 2016, so it is for sure an FK2. Um, yeah. 815, Jesus. So 30 second jump. You know what's also crazy? What's that? So yeah, they did an 815, an NA1 NSX that's in our driveway right now. <laughs> did an 816.15. <laughs> yeah, that's like I mean, it's, that's cool. That's cool. Like it, the fact it made it thirty seconds faster than what is to a lot of people yeah. supercar royalty. Oh yeah, uh, understandably. So. There's different reasons to buy either car too. Oh but. yeah. Um, oh, that's funny. I was I was looking to see if there was a stinger lap time because I was gonna laugh at how slow it was. There's not. <laughs> they didn't bother. I know they weren't going after that. No, I was. Which l- is actually surprising considering um, you know Beerman was in charge of you know developing that car. And they had some. I know they had some time. It was mentioned that they did have some time on the Nurburgring to tune a couple as, as most, bits, as most OEMs do when developing a modern performance car of, of any caliber. Because yeah, I mean the ISF is on here. Uh, Holden VFSS Redline Ute is on here. Yep. Um, I look at R thirty two. Wow. So going from R thirty two to R thirty five, they went from an eight twenty two to a seven forty four. 43, yep. 42, something like that. Yep. Uh, no, 738, sorry, for the R35. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, so. I should know that. That was like em- emblazoned in my fucking head when it came out um, 15 years ago <laughs> or whatever it was. So um, just for funny reference, because I did want to find out, like, from people that have done this, the 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 current, like, record for a stock Stinger GT is uh, <laughs> 920. <laughs> At least you're broke I'm, ten. I'm yeah, exactly. I'm not surprised. Um, that's not what that car's for. <laughs> no, not, <laughs> not at, all. at all. Um, actually, well, well, I mean, so on this, hmm, on this list, so we go down and we go down, and we're in like the the nines, and we're looking at you know a Mark V GTI 
well, Mark V GTI and a Tesla Model S P eighty five D actually are eight fifty and eight fifty three, um, with the Tesla being quicker. But then you go down to the slowest one on this list, Trabant P fifty. Oh boy, sixteen oh one. At least you showed up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's twenty horsepower. Damn. I mean, if you think about the horse, like if you did some kind of weird ratio of like how much horsepower does this does this have versus the time it got, it's yeah. way up there. <laughs> yeah, that's actually not bad. That's hilarious. Um, wow, that's funny. I just thought of a funny callback to the beginning of this episode because we started off this episode talking about the NSX and talking about how like uh, you referencing James May and how much he hates how much like the Nurburgring ruins cars. Yeah, it's ironic considering. The NSX spent six months there tuning the car. Right. And turned out as good as it did. Mm-hmm. So it's all been downhill from there. It really has. <laughs> cars in general have just been... I mean, back to our last episode where we talk about the greatest cars ever made. We have one in the driveway right now. Completely agreed. Because if you go watch our film, if you haven't, please do. Yeah. We, especially the first five minutes, does a pretty quick but also pretty informative deep dive on why the NSX ended up as good as it did. Because... It was them gun a combination of them gunning after Ferrari, trying to take on and like capitalize on their F1 success, take everything that they've learned from all the good shit they've done and put it into one car. They had all their best people, all their best engineers, manufacturers. They was the first, you know, aluminum monocoque, all this shit. Like it really and and it was used to launch the Acura brand here in America. It was. It yeah. was a, a pinnacle car, and that's why it has been so good, is because they went Back to basics, took all the good shit, threw it into one blender, and said, this is the result. Have yep. fun. Yep. Fucking great. And guess what? 30 years later, we're still having fun. Yep. So, uh, I think that's actually a really beautiful way to end this episode. Unless yeah. If you, do you have anything else you want to talk about? No. We started with Gratefuls, and I think we'll keep that in there. Um, yeah. This is a, a way that Justin and I kind of get the juices flowing and get the conversation going. Yeah. Um, kind of a way to break the ice, because, you know, um, it can be uncomfortable if you just go and try to present you know like go ahead present like action like uh this is our version of like the uh the singer warm-up the me 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 yeah exactly or the uh the freddie mercury yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay okay that's anyways that, i'm sorry r.a.p headphone users <laughs> i tried to point away from the mic <laughs> i know you did um anyways yeah thank you all for listening um go read my watch reviews and go check out this uh this rolex that i <laughs> I've, been, I've had for a week I, I still can't believe that i got to just like take someone's rolex and like wear it and just wear it in the shower and <laughs> <laughs> you were naked with it <laughs> yeah no uh shout out to g uh, for lending me the watch, and also for letting me drive his car a couple of years ago. Yeah, uh, I still kind of I watch that video sometimes and go like, man, that was a fucking cool day. Uh, he has some other watches that uh, I'm gonna procure. Um, my buddy uh, Bruno, who works at OC Tanner Jewelers, uh, I am gonna be a co- getting a couple of his watches uh, of his personal stuff. I think this is part of his sales tactic of his because one of them <laughs> is one that I already want anyway. And so this really is like the extended test drive that you, through the dealership. But instead of like a 24-hour test drive, this is going to be like a seven-day test drive. Or... This is his way of getting your commission. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, shout out to Bruno. Shout out to G. Uh, shout out to all you for listening and tuning in to this latest episode of the Exhibition of Speed podcast. Uh, we still have merch because no one's bought our shit. So go buy our shit. Um, what else? I mean, we have videos coming down the pipe. 
you and I need to have a, a maybe a brief meeting about what we want to do. Yeah. Uh, because we're, we're always having meetings. We're always talking about ways to optimize and, you know, put our best foot forward. So, yeah, we're going to go ahead and do that. And, oh, um, also, we just didn't address the elephant in the room about how I just didn't do any titling or copy of uh, <laughs> the episode last week. So if you saw an episode passive-aggressively entitled K, <laughs> um, our podcasting software, which is just Spotify for podcasters, makes me, after I edit the audio here, right. put in a dis- like at least one letter for description and title. And so yeah. that's what I put in, and it launched like that because we forgot to edit it. Well, yeah, so... Yeah, I, I like to be the one to like you know title and add you know description and stuff. Yeah. Um, and Justin got the episode ready. You did your job perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> you got like the episode like season number and episode number, and you clicked explicit, and you got the title like the artwork. Like you did everything. And I was like, yeah, no, I'll get it later. And then I went home and took a nap. <laughs> and then I wake up the next day. I'm like, oh fuck. <laughs> Well, I don't think it was until around noon that I sent you a text like, uh, by the way, the episode launched yeah. without a title. It's like, uh, I'm going to get back to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyways, we appreciate all you OGs for continuing to listen and uh, yes, continue to uh, watch for new shit. Keep on rocking in the free world. Yep. Okay. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>